Hello and welcome to Riot Act episode 91. Riot Act is the alternative music podcast, not the metal podcast. No metal this week, really. Um, this <laughs> this is me, Stephen Hill, and wiping a, a relieved brow of a relieved bead of sweat from his brow is Renfrey Deadman. I've not had to inflict any fucking god awful metal music on you this week, Renfrey. That's good, isn't it? I'm not sure how happy I am with this intro, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I'm going with it. Hello, Steve. I'm all right. How are you? <laughs> hey, mate. How you doing? You're right. How you yeah. been? Yeah, yeah, good. I've had it. I've had it. I mean, we've just been discussing it, but I've had a very dull week um, compared to yours. By the sound of it, you've been quite busy this week. But I I've been have fair, been fairly busy. Yes, I've yes. I've I've had quite a lot of free time this week. It's been quite nice. Um, uh, I mean, I've been. Don't get me wrong. I've been working, aka listening to music. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is work for us. That is work for it, us. It, well, believe it or not, yeah, it is. I mean, um, when we get to fucking Queen later, it really feels like work as well. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> um, yeah, um, but no, I, I like. There hasn't been an awful lot going on in my life. I've been w- watching a lot of live performance clips on YouTube. This that's relatable. Fuck! What can I recommend? I watched a Marriages Audio Tree session, which was absolutely fucking amazing. Um, Great. Mike Van Art has been very kindly putting up a bunch of shows in the Ocean Size archive, so I've been watching them with glee. Uh, mm-hmm. Devon Townsend has been doing those quarantine concerts. Did you see? In fact, let's just throw this in as a news item very quickly. Yeah. And, uh, he threw. He um, raised. A silly amount of money for NHS. It would be a better news item if I knew what the amount was, wouldn't it? That's <laughs> all right. And then, uh, hey, if, if he's most people who are sort of, you know, a little bit coy like Devin, they don't want to say exactly how much it is. I think he'd be happy with well, you he like, did. just being I, vague about it. It was about 60 grand, if my memory Fucking serves. Hell. Yeah, he raised shit loads of money for the um, NHS, which is cool. Uh, and he's been raising money for other benefits around the world uh radiohead are putting up a show a week it's a good time to be in mm-hmm. quarantine i mean all of this yeah i think it is because we're in quarantine but you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean i've been watching the newsroom which is great really oh, okay. great i'm gonna i'm gonna watch the entire aaron sorkin oeuvre i think that's my plan over quarantine if i ever get some fucking fucking time to myself um we should also say if you are running out of things to do they're all good go to musicism musicism.net is the our good friends there they do the online courses to help you perform uh, perform better to improve your chops as a musician i think you mentioned renfrey that ironically enough they've added a metal um uh course to their they're uh, they've been listening to you <laughs> they've been saying that that's it get some better metal in the world go over and sign up for musicism and you can be better at doing metal so if you're a guitarist it's singer or producer go on specifically for rhythm guitar so it's metal rhythm right. so it's gently oh, stuff nice. and it's like building up the um power in your wrist and stuff like that uh <laughs> well uh, we <laughs> uh, i've had a quick look at it um and genuinely they've not asked me to say this so I've had it. it's really good i'm going to be partaking in some of those exercises right good um you can <laughs> get 25 oh, i know get 25 percent off when you put the code right in capitals in the checkout i also want to say before we tell you what's on the show if we're doing another plug our um our friends at good and gold uh, at good as gold pr as i write this 
uh, as I write this, as I record this, have um, have set up an initiative called the Tours That Never Were. Um, some of our favourite bands' tours have been cancelled during yeah. the COVID-19 thing. Um, you know, uh, we've had the likes of A. Williams, Black Peaks, Conjurer, just to mention three off the top of my head, um, who have had to have their tours cancelled. Obviously, I'm sure you know a lot of bands and you've probably not been able to go to gigs due to this. Uh, this is... Um, an initiative that's been set up by the guys, as I said, at Good As Gold PR, um, where you can actually support a campaign to get those bands who've had to have tours cancelled some money and support their crew as well through buying T-shirts, through buying posters. They've actually set up a whole... It's, it's like a kind of festival poster of all the bands who can't tour. And like I said, really, really, really good bands. So um, It's wicked. You know, yeah. It looks really classy and it looks really cool and it's just a cool piece of memorabilia to own um, to remind people to be like, I was there, man, uh, during the COVID-19. Um, and yeah, it's a very cool initiative. Um, yeah, really good. And looking at the lineup of this tour that never was, I mean, like I say, A. Williams, Black Peaks, Castles, Conjurer, Cruelty, Cult Dreams, Delta Sleep, Dinosaur Pile Up, Dream Nails, Employed to Serve, Haggard Cat, Holding Absence, False Heads, Gender Roles, Ithaca, uh, John Lizzie Farrell, Nordic Giants, Orchids, Palm Reader, Pigs Time 7, Polar, the Pierre Saint, the Saint Pierre Snake Invasion, sorry, the Pierre Saint Snake Invasion, that's not a band, <laughs> um, the Saint Pierre Snake Invasion, Sugar Horse, and We Never Learned to Live. I mean, we like pretty much all of those bands it's, a lot don't we so it, it is know. genuinely about 70 percent of those bands that i would say are bands we would we we wouldn't even hesitate to cover the yeah, the absolutely. a williams is the black peaks is the conjure well conjures we hesitate but only because of one member <laughs> of the band. uh it's been a while isn't we since we slagged off brady but good to, good to get that back a uh, anyway people on have this... literally been contacting me going why don't you slag off brady anymore <laughs> So just forgot he existed yeah. <laughs> um anyway on this week's show we're going to be reviewing new albums from car seat headrest from gold key from flies a spies from hell and from umbra vitae plus in broken records two of the greatest names in rock decide to shite on their legacy <laughs> just for a laugh queen and paul rogers get together to cosmos rocks and rock the cosmos I the do. album is in the dock i'm sorry to um interrupt already and i know this is very um anal of me but it's actually called the cosmos rocks which somehow putting the definitive article on it makes it even less cool yeah somehow so i don't know <laughs> don't, how somehow as if, um, as if cosmos rocks wasn't uncool enough but putting the cosmos rocks just makes it even worse for some reason i don't know why just us yeah i'm not gonna spunk any more of no, that because no, no. there's plenty to come um also patreon news thank you very much if you signed up recently to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash right act podcast uh with with money we appreciate that there is all manner of uh writers reviews that have gone up recently i think the the most recent one uh was the um, them crooked, crooked vultures, vultures. Yep yeah um that's for anyone who pays any money if you're on the five pound tier um that is for our classic album series you can get our, our very very long and probably best podcast we do for um for the meager sum of five pound a month you get a couple of them we recorded a few this week actually renfrey didn't we we in the last week or so we recorded a rioters review which kind of felt like a classic album without being a classic album on Candlebox's self-titled debut record yeah which yeah, is a yeah. laugh yeah 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 mm. um yes it was our longest 
it was crazy to think that the longest writer's review we've done so far was on Candlebox, a record that neither of us had even ever heard before we did the writer's review. Uh, but it's mainly because we were spunking off about grunge and how wonderful it was, wasn't it? Yeah, and also because we're here, we might as well give you as much stuff as yeah. possible. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, um, writers' it, reviews are coming and they're getting better as well, I'd argue. Yeah, but it's over an hour, that one. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, if you're just... if. In the past, you've been like, oh, those writers' reviews are only sort of 25 minutes long. I don't know if I can be bothered. They sort of started out around that length, but they are becoming quite lengthy beasts in and of their own right, yeah. aren't they? So, yeah. I think I, I'm going to put the... I don't mind putting the work in for them ones, but really, talk, like when we put the big the big work in, um, we also did Park Life by Blur. And it's one of my... I say this about everything that we've done so far, but it's absolutely one of my favourites because it's... um. That, what everyone loves, Renfrey, the frisson between the two of us when we disagree. Uh, it's something that people like. And if you do like that, then you definitely want to listen to um, me and Renfrey talking about Park Life by Blur, I think. Yeah, there are definitely differences of opinion on that record. But although, although a lot more agreement than I thought there might be as well. It's sort of, um, I don't think you've missold it there, but at the same time, we're hardly at each other's throats. But yes, I, no, I understand what you no, mean. No, no. No, not really. Um, and we're doing Lamb of God next as well, which is your pick, which should be fun. We're going to be That's recording right. Lamb of God. Um, we're also going to be talking for Writers Review next. Uh, it will be the second album by London Grammar. So, you know, branching out a little bit, aren't we? Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, did you see, speaking of stuff to do during lockdown, um, Post Malone and Travis Barker and a couple of other people did a pretty good job of just doing a set of, nirvana covers i've heard this but i still haven't seen it um i was really uh scared to click on the link and as a consequence didn't and since then i've been told it's actually pretty good and they didn't do very obvious songs apparently as well no i mean they started with i think they started with census apprentice or maybe francis farmer i can't remember it was one of those two summit off in utero and yeah they did a really good um, a really good job and Post Malone all those people going oh if you close your eyes you'd think it was Kurt I mean fucking hell I wouldn't go that far but he, he sounded good and you know Nirvana are as Puddle of Mud recently proved not the easiest band to cover and do a good job on so yeah nice work useless blokes yeah <laughs> come on Travis Barker <laughs> yeah time. okay yeah he's not useless he's just he hit stood, ne stood, really stood well. near He's spent most of his life being stood near useless people. So, uh, yeah. Um, but harder yeah. to harder to, um, to defend Tom and Mark, admittedly, yes. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, someone actually tweeted us, and I thought this was a really good question. We don't usually do questions, but I like this tweet so much that I decided to, um, to add it into the show. You can follow us at riotact underscore podcast on the old Twitter. Um, Chris Lord does that. Thanks, Chris. And he tweeted us this apropos of nothing hoping you can settle a debate my other half and i have been having is it unreasonable to dislike a band purely because of their fan base think iron maiden oasis limp biscuit etc etc uh renfrey you're a man who um dislikes is, 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 is sway, <laughs> dislikes other human beings as am i um do, how do you feel about that as a as an idea like have you ever been put off solely by the fan base um i don't the fan bases have put me off in the past but i don't know if they've ever put me off entirely 
Um, I mean, Oasis is an example there, which just, I feel, fuels all of my arguments as to why they're not as good as the Beatles. Um, and they've only released two good records. But it isn't the audience in and of itself. I mean, I've told the story on, on, on here before about how I was at the V Festival when they split up and watching thousands and thousands of chavs crying uh with shit chinese logo tattoos chinese character tattoos on their torsos was just heavenly was wonderful um but yeah i can see how it could have an effect to hate a band based on their fan base alone i don't know seems a bit seems a bit Stephen l <laughs> does it i i mean i don't really no i can't I, think of an example I, I um i think i've never had a band's music if i like a band's music then i like their music and it doesn't matter to me what else is going on i mean we've spoken on this podcast a bunch of times that there are probably some fairly dodgy bands with some fairly dodgy fan bases that i like to listen to thinking of norwegian black metal um but that's but i don't care i like this the i like the record they're not in the room with me when i'm listening when i'm putting the record on the record player do you know what i mean on the turntable yeah. they're not there yeah, so yeah, it yeah. makes absolutely no difference to me whatsoever it can be quite annoying when you go to a gig and it's full of people that you feel kind of morally opposed to but it's never been that big a problem i think they can when the annoying fan base thing really hits is when it's a band that you don't like already. BTS is a good example um, yeah. of a <laughs> absolutely horrible fan base. Um, I, I don't, I haven't really listened to BTS, but they're a, they're a, you know, they're a boy band. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to like them, am I? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like them. I've heard a little bit of it. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to like BTS. It's very unlikely. But I feel, it's very unlikely. Yeah, but I feel like I am happy to say i really hate them just because you you aren't meant to say that on twitter or whatever or you get all these fucking idiots coming and giving you shit for it so I if it's a band that, that you don't that's like fucking bts shit mate i think mm, yeah it's they're the worst was that some sort of pun that's what joke, yeah i said it's fucking bts shit fucking bts shit yeah as in fucking bullshit but it's bts right. Fuck, that's fucking well, BTS shit, mate. <laughs> but that would be. No, you'd say that's BS. If you were going to call something bullshit, you'd call it BS. You wouldn't call it BS shit. You're the ex comedian. Let's move on. Come on. Well, Just that's I why I didn't part. understand it because I was going, well, I don't get it. You fucked it. Um, oh, I think I met. Yeah. <laughs> I think I Maiden fans are another group who. Uh, I find quite annoying, but I still, like I say, like I like the maiden that I like. It's just yeah. when I get people to like, I think it was actually Mike Venart tweeted me and said that the book of souls is the best Iron Maiden album, which is the most Iron Maiden fan thing to say I've ever heard. So I didn't really know what to say to that. I did actually I go, can you, can you clarify that for me? Right. From, you think the book of souls is, and he didn't answer. So I don't from know. Private conversations I've had with Mike. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> i think he's just joshing you <laughs> yeah i hope so because i was like yeah, i don't what? Think that's true. Is that no that can't be true it can't be um he he, he, yeah. he adores the 80s he adores the 80s stuff but beyond that 
not so much. Yeah, a man after my own heart, um, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> you, you uh, have, uh, you've reminded me of a Hard Times article I saw earlier today. It's actually from November 2017, but I think it's worth reading out the headline just because you've reminded me of it. Uh, pop punk frontman reunited with girlfriend after performing at 18 plus show. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, uh, good. I hate those people. I hate paedophiles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's the band, isn't it? That's not their fans. Tr- tr- you hate semi related <laughs> people. Oh, see, it sounds like you hate people that get groomed, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> or I hate people that allow themselves to be. <laughs> like <laughs> groomed and put in a horrible situation why no. don't they just not do that Renfrey. No, definitely feel like you've twisted my words there but that's fine <laughs> no, we're talking about the fan base we're I talking know. about the fan base and you're talking about the band <laughs> okay fine yeah <laughs> if we're only 18 good. minutes in i can't stomach this well I mean, <laughs> it's going to be my last show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to like, because if I it's didn't, fine. if I didn't unravel it, someone else mm. might, and then you get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for covering my ass, Steve. I really appreciate yeah, it. That's right. He doesn't mean that, everyone. Don't, so don't. Uh, let's do some reviews. Uh, let's start with Car Seat Headrest. Uh, the album is called Making a Door Less Open. It is the 12th studio album in 10 years, no less, from Will Toledo's esoteric indie rock project, Car Seat Headrest, the follow-up to the fucking excellent twin fantasy album from 2018, which we did review on the show. It was my first exposure to Car Seat Headrest. I liked it a lot. Yeah, we did it on a catch-up. Um, we didn't manage to catch it first time around uh, for some reason. Um, but yes, Car Seat Headrests are a band that I brought in uh, thinking you would like them, but you responded really positively to the last one. I think I think you liked Twin Fantasy more than I did, to be honest. Um, my favourite of theirs is their album before that, Teens of Denial, I believe it's called um that is an amazing amazing record but yes i like everything they've done up to this point that i have heard which is probably well it's probably only about a third of their uh back cat to be honest because they have fucking loads of records so it's a lot of stuff it's a lot of stuff isn't it i mean i think last time we talked about the band um the two things that we said that sort of surprised me were a as how prolific they were in terms of the amount of material they'd they'd um released and plus the fact that they had risen to the point where they're now sizable enough to headline Brixton Academy here in the UK mm-hmm. without having troubled the charts in, well, well, any country, I don't mm. think. I don't mm. think they've got anywhere near the charts in any country and yet they are still able to play the kind of venue where big, big bands play. So that is mightily impressive. They're a really exciting band from that point of view as well because they don't, I mean... <clears throat> I'm sure you could find singles on their records, but it, it's actually quite tricky to find singles on their albums, I think, because so many of their songs go off on crazy wild tangents, which seem to be happening live as you're listening to it. But there's very few that are sort of a traditional verse, chorus, verse structure. Um it's a really, they're a really interesting band, um, mainly mm. mainly from the mind of one mind, Will Toledo, 
Um, he yeah. has since expanded the band. I mean, they are very much a band now, but they're one of those bands, quote unquote, that for the first sort of eight releases of their life, really, they were just mm. one guy, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, <clears throat> I spoke last time a lot about Beck and Odelay era Beck, which I think was a fair shout. And particularly because, you know, Beck is somebody who's managed to um, conjure pop hits and pop singles out of out of nothing really like if you listen to that record there's not necessarily on a song like devil's haircut which is a massive hit of his it's not really structured like a pop song there's not a there's there's no chorus really i mean the chorus is almost a pre-chorus um and that i got that kind of vibe from car seat headrest at the time although this record is kind of kind of i think some sort of concept record of a type so in the build up to the release of the record Toledo has said that this record sees him inhabit the character of trait uh the character has a backstory of someone who apparently used to work in classified government facilities before getting a job in the music industry uh <laughs> and Will Toledo has said that he intended to recall uh, to tour this record in character and will be wearing a mask to represent trait on said tour um which is a interesting idea I think Renfrew is it not yeah, he's been, um, I didn't fully know about this concept, I have to confess, but I know that he's been playing with a mask um, and has been finding it far more comfortable. Um, he said some really interesting things about playing with a mask and how, like he used to have quite bad stage fright, but since he's been playing underneath the mask, he doesn't have that stage fright anymore because it's enough of a barrier between him and audience Mm. uh for him to be able to perform without those fears and anxieties um mm. so yeah uh, it's an interesting experiment for sure uh, and apparently this record was kind of conceived um as first as a kind of side project between records um and was thought of as material that wouldn't really work for a car seat headrest record that mm -hmm. due to the addition of this character trait uh, has now managed to weasel its way or manifest its way into being a car seat headrest record, although in a very dexterous and eclectic way. Um, I mean, so far, so kind of car seat headrest, really, I guess. The, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? The well, not quite knowing where we're going to be going is well, a, a bit of a thing that I would have ex expected to not expect, you know? It, it definitely feels like a car seat headrest album because of Will Toledo. It's as simple as that, really. He just has a very distinctive style in the manner that, oh, goodness, I can't remember his bloody name now, but the frontman of... Um, neutral milk hotel has a very distinct style um but one one which i think some people will love and some people will find very difficult to get behind so that's that might be a stumbling block to begin with i think both of us love the, his style it's just fantastic yeah. mm -hmm. um but on this record the music is slightly different because there's a more electro pop angle to it than there ever has been on car seat headrests as far as i can tell um <clears throat> You can see how it was born out of a side project and then they sort of steered it back towards becoming a car seat headrest, headrest project. But it feels more car seat, head, ooh, car seat headresty in its sort of lyrics um, and Will Toledo's presence than it is musically, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, there doesn't, to me, seem to be, I think by design, appear to be much in the way of 
a continuous musical structure or any kind of no. consistency with songs kind of wildly veering from genre to genre almost sort of next to each other yeah. um i mean you said there's a kind of addition of electronic music i've written down you know bits of edm doo-wop salsa rock punk post-punk folk psychedelic pop um it's like new order ram daft punk daniel johnston the flaming lip lips all having a big downer party at the same time yeah this record i think i mentioned the electro pop angle just because that feels like an angle that to my ears they haven't done before although i'm saying this Mm. is someone who's only listened to their last like three or four records um but uh yes uh absolutely is all those things and more probably i think aesthetically it retains the sort of lo-fi approach that they've always had whilst I mean, undeniably, I think this record sounds a bit more polished than what they've done in the past, but not in a way that makes it lose lose anything. It's been produced really, really well, actually. And it just marks a really interesting shift in direction for the band. Lots of sort of future funk, you know? I imagine someone at Mojo calling this um, (laughs) probably what they call Jamiroquai, I imagine. Exactly, this doesn't sound like Jamiroquai at all. Um, But yeah, a song like Hollywood for example, has all these sort of uh, punk screams with um, Toledo screaming, Hollywood makes me want to puke. I love Um, that song. I thought you would. It's very antagonistic. I love Um, it. But some of the lyrics are incredible. There's this one passage which I just thought was amazing. Um, You're going to wind up back home where the fear splits in two like Moses into Mances and Monroses, logic and hypnosis, good and evil, only people. They don't talk about the 12 year olds on pills waking up in beds of big producers. And, you know, like that is it starts almost nursery rhyme esque and kind of lulls you into this false sense of security and then just hits you with that lyric at the end. And it's like, yeah, that's Hollywood, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. Um, and there was something just really tinsel towny about it. And I just I think it beautifully and succinctly um sums up a lot about Hollywood in one one verse, practically. Um mm. I just I just thought it was brilliant. Like that it's such a brilliant lyric. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, it's a like that is the first time I um my ears immediately picked pricked up on this record. Yeah. Um yeah. so that is track three. Three? That is yeah. Four, sorry, track four. four? Uh that is track four uh, on the record. And it's kind of um there's a song on You Can't Fight What You Can't See by Girls Against Boys, which is my favourite Girls Against Boys record, who are a great, great band, called Three Hundred Looks for the Summer. And that's got a similar kind of disdainful look at hollywood i mean that that the hook in that is i don't like hollywood hollywood i don't like hollywood all the way pretty much all the way through um which and it's a wicked song and this has got a very similar like you say disdainful vibe from it it's almost like a an angry punk american version of new order musically i think because it has got a bit of that that sort of throbbing bass and um and electronic and when we talk about edm and and sort of funk and you know electronics and stuff i mean i think the thing with this record is is it could be seen as quite dated uh in terms of the electronics that it uses because all of the 
all of the the sort of reference points I have for the electronic stuff is stuff from along is a bands and acts and artists from some time ago. This is not cutting edge electronics by any stretch of the imagination, but I think again it's 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 quite a low fi I mean you talked about the production on the record um I think it sounds great this record, but it certainly sounds great like it's trying to evoke a certain period um and I would say that that period would be sort of early daft punk to be honest um not that there's anything wrong with early daft punk at all, but when I hear the kind of electric the electronic parts in it that's that's where I go. Do you know what I mean? I don't mm. necessarily think this is a, a cutting edge electronic record, but I think it's doing that by design. And the fact that it's not solely that means that I think he can absolutely get away with um, recalling artists from a bygone era, if you like. Yeah, I, I hadn't made that Daft Punk's connection at all. But now that you say it, I can totally see it. I see what you're talking mm. about. Um, but it... I. <laughs> my brain rarely defaults to daft punk to be totally honest with you because i'm not a fan of them um but i can see what you mean um it's not a it doesn't feel like it's a record that is going to um that anyone in the electronic world is going to say is revolutionary but then it doesn't sound like it's trying to be anyway so it's not something that i really thought about i have to be honest um, no i just i i just mean you know i just I, I think to be honest most of the reference points for artists that i would bring up on this record are artists from that actually from that period so after yeah. hollywood there's a song called deadlines hostel um mm-hmm. i know before that's the one before isn't it actually and that really sounds like pavement really sounds like sebado i mean it doesn't feel massively different to what they might usually do or what they did usually on that last album but uh but they do it you know it it's an amalgam of to me this feels like an amalgam of stuff that was cutting edge melded together from about 20 years ago it's like kind of lo-fi indie pop with um that kind of first wave of club funk music from the 90s that kind of clubhouse um funky funky house if you like mm-hmm. and um and little bits of like i say you know rem um super furry animals stuff like that do you know what i mean and that like to me that sounds absolutely that's a that is a great mix of stuff mm. to mix all of the kind of the alternative world from about 1998, 1999 to meld it all together. Super Free Animals, Beck, Daft Punk, Chemical Brothers. Um, maybe not. Maybe Chemical Brothers are a bit harder than anything. Hits a bit harder than anything on this on this um, this record. But there seems to be like a real love of sort of 90s singer songwriters and quite funky dance music. And I think that's a really, really, but from a very specific era. And I think that's a really interesting, cool unusual thing to try and do in 2020 yeah it sounds original as well um um i think all of those things that you're saying are right but as you're saying them i'm, I'm trying to think well who else has done that and you know I'm, yeah, no, exactly. I'm i'm not an expert on this type of music i would say so you know maybe there is someone who's done it but i've not heard it before and it, it sounds really cool it's a really nice 
amalgam of two things that you wouldn't normally think of going together um and the fact that you know i mean how many bands sort of come out with a sound that you've never really heard before on their 12th record mm. yeah it's wicked I and i mean no. you you mentioned earlier about the lack of singles or the kind of or not the lack of singles on this album but we or we mentioned their lack of kind of chart success uh do you think bearing in mind that it has got i think it's got quite a quite a cool electronic throb to it that just feels good in a lot of places can you see this getting any kind of commercial traction uh yes um i think if it does despite them having been at it for a long time and despite them playing being this massive cult success it does feel like there is room for them to actually break through into the mainstream i mean i learned about car seat headrest from a very old friend of mine who um is now a dj on radio six music um happens to be the same person who got me into mogwai as well so uh thank you john robbins brilliant man um but he uh not even through talking to him in person but he would talk about them on the radio a fair bit and it just sounded really interesting um so that's actually how i found out about them in the first place and that was four or five years ago i reckon now do they sound good on the radio that was where you were going with it i think yes um the first song I heard, which remains my favourite, um, the first song that I heard um, by them on the radio, Drunk Drivers, Killer Whales, uh, sounded amazing on the radio. But to me, it really, really stood out as sounding totally different from anything else. I mean, as the title sort of suggests, it's two songs just plonked together, <laughs> um, which somehow they're forced together in such a way they're just made to work um so it has kind of two different choruses uh it's around five and a half minutes long you know but it's two great pop songs put together um and yes yeah, it remains my favorite car seat headrest song because it was one of those moments where i took my head turned i was like what is this this sounds totally different to all the normal generic shit I've been listening to in the last hour, hour and a half. You know, it really stood out, but it sounded great. It made me buy the record. So, mm. you know. Well, I mean, the only reason I say it is because I, I listened to a song like on from this record, like Life Worth Missing, which mm-hmm. has the keyboard line of The Killers, right? It's got the anthemic nature of The Killers. It's got a massive stadium rock feel about it. But it also manages to sound understated and subtle, a bit like The National. Now, The National and The Killers are both very different bands. Mm. They're both very, very big, sizable bands as well. Um, and I know it sounds like a an, an oxymoron to say this band can sound massive and stadium and subtle and understated. I know that sounds like a massive oxymoron, but some bands, mean, some bands can do that. And they just happen to be one of those bands. Yeah. Um, that song to me has got like hit written all over it. It's it one really of the best does. Songs. Yeah, it's one yeah, of the best songs on the record. It may even brilliant. be the best song. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's no, great. I, to- I totally agree. Like it absolutely could be. 
It's just, uh, is that what they want to do? I have no, I have no idea when it comes to this band. I don't know what they want to be or what they want to do. And interestingly, listening to their music, you don't really get an indication of what they want to do, or what they want to be either, because they're so all over the place. But I mean that it didn't sound like a compliment, but I meant it as a compliment. Um, you know, um, they're unpredictable. You don't know what you're going to hear next. Um, and pressing play when I when we finally got the pro- promo through for this album, I was really excited to press play on it because I genuinely had no idea what I was about to hear, and I wouldn't have been able to guess what it would be before listening to it. And that is relatively rare with bands when you know their previous stuff do you know what i mean so Mm. that was really that's really exciting and it didn't disappoint it was something different to what they'd done before but it wasn't wasn't a disappointment and i think that's Mm. probably just as rare so yeah absolutely it is i mean in terms of what they want to do i mean with a song like life worth missing it might not be up to them i mean if people hear that song Mm. they might just want to hear that song because it's you know (laughs) it's an absolutely mahoosive song um Mm -hmm. There's another one called There There Must Be More Than Blood, which is the second to last song. It's the longest song on the record. It's like seven and a half minutes long. Mm. Um, and it rides along on this amazing beat. And weirdly, it's got this really, really just inescapable thump that goes with it. That when like I'm not a massive dance music fan, but there are some times where you just can't help, you just can't deny that that beat is fucking great and this has that but all the stuff that surrounds it turns it from being just a banger into a great song um weirdly it kind of reminds me of bad by u2 which is quite a different song but it's quite simple and it's got like one hook with loads of other things that go on around it um particularly if you watch that version of bad from that sort of famous version from from live aid back in uh 1985 where it goes on for sort of nine minutes or whatever um that just kind of rides along on one guitar part but then loads of other things happen around it but it, it's quite a stark song at the same time and i think there must be more than blood it it doesn't feel like seven minutes but it no, feels like it, a, it feels like a really simple brilliant pop song but it just that does quite a lot with very very little it's a good record this it's really it's good another- it's another highlight of the album that seven minute long song as well i reckon Mm. um relatively uh constrained no Mm. constrained constrained relatively constrained for car seat headrest who on their last album i believe had a 13 minute song um they did yeah and the one before i think they had a 13 minute song and a 16 minute song or something like anyway anyway it's quite constrained quite yeah it's quite short for a car seat headrest epic um but brilliant song excellent song Mm. um this record's really good yeah i feel like once again whilst we both love it i feel like once again um like last time i feel like you like it a little bit more than i do but i still think it's great and i'd recommend that people listen to it it's very unique and very um the voice of car seat headrest is very very clear on this album and i think it's really really interesting and individualistic and um different and uh, yeah uh it would be amazing to see Carsley headrest in the charts i think it'd be mm. absolutely wicked yeah i mean i i really like it i think i maybe because it was the first one i heard i maybe prefer twin fantasy 
to it a little bit maybe i don't know i think i'm 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 really impressed with how they've managed to turn such a a weird and eclectic group of um influences into something very uh very catchy and it feels a much simpler record it feels like despite all of its different twists and turns and tangents it feels like a much easier record to listen to than the last one i think it's much much shorter um yeah i mean that might be it yeah yeah it's it's about it's at least 20 minutes shorter um because that's the that's the first thing i noticed actually because all the twin uh twin temple hmm? all of the car seat headrest albums i've had up to this point have been quite lengthy um and the first thing i noticed was oh okay this one's again in comparison quite short it's about 47 minutes i think Hmm. 10 tracks yeah 47 minutes 28 seconds uh so it could be that and i think that is as great as i think they are they never bore me during their records but they do feel like they they can feel like a bit of a slog but we're talking about albums that are 70 minutes plus so you know Mm. um, yeah i mean uh it was a bit of a like wow what is this when i heard twin fantasy whereas this is like oh are they doing that oh that's mm, okay great oh cool wow that's different and and it does get its hooks into you pretty quickly and it takes you to a lot of places so i mean it's a great if you've never heard them before this is a really good place to start i think yeah yeah i don't think this is a bad place to start um let's hope it makes the door more open for them yeah that works <laughs> see that works that works yeah uh, the the album. Well, no no i was just like because for a minute i went huh and i went oh the album's called cool. that's my fault that time so that's car seat headrest making a door less open it is out right now right let's move on to our next record of the week which comes from gold key the album is called panic machine it is the second album from the watford based supergroup, which features um lags from gallows james leach from sixth uh, producer Steve Sears and nervous drummer Jack Kenny is the follow-up to 2017's Hello Phantom, which I have to admit, um, much to my embarrassment, Renfrey, I have only briefly listened to. I did see them supporting really? Grave Pleasures back in the day, yeah, and I thought they're very good. Um, yes. but you, you, you like Gold Key? I really lot, like. I really like Gold Key. Um, Hello Phantom, narrowly missed out on my albums of 2017 list but it is one of those records that i look back at and go hmm i probably should have included it on that because i do still quite regularly listen to it and there's a few albums on my 2017 list that i don't really anymore um and 2017 i mean 2017 was forever code orange emperor of sand mastodon his spun by chelsea wolf Maradrite by Merke, if that's how it's pronounced. Um, Heartless, Paul Bearer. Uh, lots of fucking amazing. It was a fucking good year, 2007. Mm, good year, I really good year, yeah. There's an argument to say it's the best year of uh, the decade. 2017 or 2012, I reckon. Someone actually, I mean, I put, just off, this is slightly off topic, but somebody put a... Uh, uh i somebody it was me i did a playlist earlier about the greatest year in music ever 1996 and um somebody went oh 2012 is the best year ever i think 
and I and he sent me a list of stuff and I was like, well, that ain't even close. I think 2016 is the best year. 2013 and 2016 were the best years of that decade for me, I believe. 2016, just before we started working together, more or less. I see what's happening here. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> well, awful lot of post rock came out after that. Uh, yeah. All right, mm. fine. Anyway, um, Hello Phantoms is anyway. fucking brilliant. Hello Phantoms is brilliant. Um, massively underrated at the time. I think the only journalist of note who really seemed to rate them was Paul Brannigan, who is brilliant. I think you and I will both agree. Absolutely is. Yeah, really good. Um, and yeah, um, obviously it does bear mentioning that this is a super group of sorts and you've mentioned the bands that the members come from, but but in many ways it's not really worth mentioning that either because Gold Key don't sound like any of those bands. No, not at, at all. all. Not even vaguely. Um, <clears throat> so to kind of go into this record, now that we've set it up a bit, uh, the album was driven by the want to divide yourself from the rat race and also to accept your place as a kind of tiny dot on the planet. Yes, Rimfrey, I read the press notes. Um, there's also, which were written by Paul Brannigan, they incidentally. Were, yeah. um, good. There's also a lot of talk in the build up to um, feelings of struggle when trying to find your place in the world, thoughts of isolation. Essentially, this is kind of existential crisis the album isn't yeah it, really yeah yeah very much so it's also yeah. i mean you know it, it had nothing to do with um covid19 or anything like that this album's been around um for about a year i, I know that um but it's quite apt that it's coming out probably smack bang in the middle of us all being isolated being an album about isolation in the yes. main um isolation Mm. so Renfrey uh who's gonna say it first then me or you oh I want to hear it coming from you fucking hell this record is absolutely fucking brilliant it is fucking amazing yeah it's so good I like we haven't had a conversation about it yet and I've put in some not so subtle hits about how uh, hints about how much i adore this record but i haven't actually i didn't actually know that that's how you felt about it so i'm really really pleased to hear that it's brilliant well i deliberately it? sent you something <laughs> saying the opposite to this you did just to give a little plot twist um the second song on the record is called don't sleep and it just grabbed me so quickly mm. i mean i was doing something i'm at, at I tend to kind of put albums on for the first time whilst I'm washing up or cleaning mm-hmm. or playing FIFA or doing something else, right? Same. And when you get, when you just suddenly stop and go, oh, you're going to stop what you're doing and the mm-hmm. milk is, you're pouring the milk on your cereal and it's running all <laughs> over the floor. And you go, fucking hell. Um, it's a really weird song. It's a bit like Cave In. It's a bit like Code in Cambria. It's a bit like Ruben, but it's also like Justin Hawkins is fronting it and actually being serious for a second. <laughs> I was like, do you know, do you know what I mean? Um, it's uh, you, you didn't it's you a, didn't name the big influence that I got. I mean, I don't know whether it is or not, but to me, it sounds like Devin Townsend at his zaniest. Um, so I didn't get that actually. No, you, you're you're right. I didn't it, actually get that. It has that, the but... same feel as a song like "Lucky Animals" to me, or even uh, "Jula," the mm-hmm. song he did with um, Ishan for Deconstruction. Yeah, just Devin Townsend when he's like, "Hey," <laughs> you know, but not annoying. Um, yeah, I, it's brilliant, brilliant song. It, 
it is a brilliant song and it's funny to kind of mention people someone like Devin Townsend at his wackiest when we're talking about an album about isolation about feelings yeah. of existentialist dread but this has got an anthemic quality to it which I mean actually I've mentioned I mentioned Coding Coding Cambria and Cave In you mentioned Devin Townsend um but the album I'll tell you what in full the record that this most reminds me of and I'm delighted to have something that I can compare this to is The Bends by Radiohead um oh. Yeah. I'm not quite saying that it is as good as one of my favourite albums ever made, but it kind of feels like a halfway house between Pablo Honey and The Bends to me. Um, Can I just interrupt you there? Because this is quite spooky. Um, I wrote, I was going to come on to this later, uh, but I'll do it now. Uh, for me, the best song on this record is The Best of Luck, uh, which is the last song on the record. I think it's absolutely superb. And I wrote in my notes, quite possibly the best in the band's career to date, almost like their street spirit fade out. Uh-huh. I, I yeah. like and it doesn't sound exactly like that, but for some reason it evoked Street Spirit Fade Out, for, which for those who aren't Radiohead fans, idiots, uh, is the last song on the Benz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because it's such a horrible pointless thing to say but yet it's weird i'm torn because i agree with it so much um, <laughs> um yeah on i mean a song like mechanical world yeah is genuine alt rock with that high registered tom york well and and i think i mean like i say there are points on this where i'm like fucking hell this is nearly as good as the bends and if we get to how much I love the Benz, I mean, we're talking probably top, I mean, de definitely top 10 favourite albums ever made. Yeah. Right. Um, and a crack in the earth even is not a million miles away from sounding like OK Computer. I and I mean, I don't, I don't my, say that I've lightly. Put in, I've put in my notes, uh, it has a very big Radiohead vibe, specifically Exit Music for a Film. Yeah. A song we recently I mean, posited as possibly one of the most depressing ever written. Yeah, but um, fucking hell. I mean, yeah, if you're if, if the 1975 are listening, this is <laughs> how you sound like Radiohead. Don't just put a computer voice in halfway through your album, you fucking idiots. So not that I've got um, that much uh, hatred for the 1975. Just saying, they ain't the new, that ain't the new OK Computer. This does no. really evoke that thing. I mean, there are times I listen to this and... It's funny to like mentioning Radiohead and mentioning Devon Townsend and mentioning Cave In and stuff. I mean, at one point I wrote and it, I haven't actually put what song it was next to, so I, I, I have to I apologize. But um, I put this could be I don't know why I put this could be and without actually saying who it was. Um, this could be Deftones being fronted by Win Butler from Arcade Fire. Oh, I don't know what song that is either, but that sounds great. Yeah, um, but, but it, I mean, it could be. A few of them, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah it could. You know, that yeah. getting that, um, getting that kind of very British. I mean, I know neither of those artists are British, but getting that kind of British indie, that nineties British indie, like intelligent British indie feel, the best of those bands, and melding it with something heavier. It's it's really really cool. I mean, mm. Trick of the Light sounds a bit like suede to me mm, yeah and i'm glad that rock bands aren't afraid to be influenced by something like suede i mean that's how you bloody revive brit pop viva brother yeah you quite fucking, yeah yeah you yeah. fucking idiots um well that's the thing it's you, like it really does sound very current and very of now 
Um, it's really diverse, this record. Every song feels like its own little island, and yet they're all beautifully interconnected and they all work together as yeah. one group of islands. Well, okay, yeah. Okay, the album. I mean, um, <clears throat> from, from Placebo all the way through to Arcane Roots, it feels mm. like they have taken a little bit of something. I mean, actually, even we can go back from The Cure via placebo all the way up to arcane roots it feels like they've taken a little bit of something from all the most interesting bands who make interesting indie stroke rock music and have found a way to interweave their most thoughtful their heaviest their most challenging their most unique parts together to make this record which just sounds like them yeah I agree totally. It's, it's interesting. Fucking brilliant. It's interesting you say Arcane Roots because I saw them support Arcane Roots uh, on the Melancholia Hymns tour, I believe, down in Brighton. So yes, um, absolutely. I started making a list of the different bands that this sounds like, but I stopped after about a song and a half because that's all I was doing. I wasn't writing any other notes. But in that time, I managed to write down Pink Floyd, Failure, Devon Townsend, Black Peaks, Radiohead, Baroness, Mogwai and Queens of the Stone Age, which is basically a list of some of my favourite bands and Pink Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, I like it when Pink Floyd influence stuff. So that's fine. They get mm. a pass. That's good of you. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Waters can go to his grave having achieved something. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. I feel like I've chucked a lot of names around, but it does remind me of the kind of... Britpop wasn't all uh, what we were talking about with Blur and Oasis. You know, some of those bands had some real class to them. And some of the British bands from that period had some real class and some real, like you know some real pulp pulp yeah. yeah um i think blur did later on i think you know i mentioned suede um obviously we've mentioned radiohead a lot spiritualized um there are a lot of those bands who were great and i think knowing how to kind of channel them and funnel them through rock and metals more challenging and interesting bands is an absolute fucking home run for me. Yeah, agreed. This is a great alternative rock record in the vein it, it from from the for the days when alternative rock felt genuinely alternative. Yeah, I agree. Are you going to go back to Hello Phantoms as a result? Oh yeah, absolutely I am, yeah. You should do. In my opinion, I, will. I think Panic Machine is a better record than Hello Phantoms, but Hello Phantoms has one or two songs which are just off the scale amazing um but then having said that so does panic machine well i was so, going to say this has got plenty of off the scale brilliant songs i yeah. mean i've mentioned a few of them already but just looking again at the track list i mean the opening track sweet darkness now i didn't yeah. probably didn't grab me quite away as much as don't sleep did the first time but now i think it's amazing oh that's Mechanical, a yeah Flying to the Sun's amazing. I think, like you said, The Best of Luck is amazing. Mm. Um, most of this record is, like, jaw-droppingly great. What's your favourite out of interest? Oh, God. Um, you've put me on the spot there. I haven't I really thought about one. 
probably mm, at the moment uh i think a crack in the earth and that radiohead vibe is is of getting a very strong a very strong like from me so i've gone for street tonight. spirit and you've gone for exit music yeah you miserable bastard well, um wonderful yeah, it's, mm. this is a wonderful record. If people don't quite get the message yet, um, I don't really like to talk about this. I had a wee go at you for, for it just the other day, although I was half joking. Um, <laughs> but I don't like to talk about um, albums of the year and stuff too early in the year. I don't like us giving you too many indications of what our favourite Code Orange album of the year is going to be, um, you know, months and months beforehand. Mm. Um, but... Uh, I redid my album of the year list the other day and this is very high at the moment on my list and I'd be stunned if it doesn't stay in the top 20 somewhere but at the moment it is high on the list. Can I just say to that um, to to go on with that that little thing I mean this time last year I was telling everyone that Spielberg's was the best album of the year and it ended up not being in my top 20 so I think it's all right to say to people hey this is going to be in my top 20 and if we get who knows what will come out in the interim do you know what I mean so who fucking knows but yeah at the moment uh I we'd have to have a pretty fucking good year for this not to make my top 20 yeah yeah we'd have to have a, a 2016 for this not yep. to make my the top 20 or even or even a 1996 and we ain't getting a 1996 that's for damn sure um so yes uh really really great record um it's called panic machine it's by gold key i i'm not sure who's listening to this that won't like it no no i i can't imagine anyone who wouldn't get anything from this record it's just yeah. fucking great it's awesome Apart from the people who tuned in just to have a go at you about Trivium. I mean, they're the only people. Quite <laughs> probably. <possibly. Yeah. laughs> um, and I imagine they're not here this week. Um, but, you know, come back if you're not. Oh, they can't hear me. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> go and listen to this record. It's really, really great. It's called Panic Machine. It's by Gold Key. It's out right now. All right, let's move on to our next record, which comes from a band called Flies Are Spies From Hell. The album's called Final Quiet. It's the third album proper from the UK progressive instrumentalists. The follow-up to Underdog Undone, a remix album of previous record, Underdog Underfoot, which was released in 2018. Um, You will not be shocked uh, at all to learn that that Renfrew brought this in. (laughs) Yes. Um, Because this this is a bit of you, isn't it, Renfrew? This is a lot of me. Yeah. Um... I'm going to say it right now. This is uh, sometimes I've brought in an instrumental album. It's, it's usually me, admittedly, bringing in an instrumental album, and I will go. This is not post rock. This is this is instrumental, and it will be called post rock. But um, you know, it doesn't really fit in. You know, the aiming for Enriquez or and so I watch you from afar would be an example. I think of where it's just Maserati. Just Maserati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um. This is definitely post-rock. <laughs> this album that we're talking about here, it's undeniable. The cadences, the breadth yeah. of its instrumentation, the dynamics, the crescendo core, dare I say it, you know, it's all inarguably very, very post-rock. Um, and one could argue that this is simply another post-rock record that could be made by a another post-rock band as well. Um, but the thing that stops it from 
the thing that get, that the thing that brings my attention to it is it's just done very 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 well it's just of an extraordinarily high quality um they're not the kind of band that you're going to listen to and immediately go that's flies of spice from hell but it's it's i really like the cut of their jib I really like the way it's done uh, and how cinematic mm. it is, how piano-led it is. Um, it feels like it could score a film, although I think actually it would take too much away from the images if it was scoring a film because the music, there is something that pulls you to it. Uh, Post-rocks it in a way that explosions in the sky, this will destroy you, maybe she will. Uh, early Mogwai, I would say, uh, to an extent. Flies of Spies from Hell fit into that same bracket of sort of elegiac, cinematic, tremolo-picked, piano-plucked post-rock. Um, but it's a formula that's been around, I'd say, since 1997, probably. Mm. I'm going to give yeah. it to Mogwai, young team. So 23 mm -hmm. years, you know, very dramatic, epic post-rock. But it's really fucking good. Do you agree, Steve? I'll tell you what I like about it. It's, okay, and you've mentioned it is the piano feels like the lead instrument on this record yeah now yeah. now i agree with everything you've just said about the fact that this could essentially just be another band and you know um i guess it will depend on how much you like this stuff as to how much you how much you would put into this particular record i imagine if you'd never heard a post-rock album before and you heard this and it was the sort of thing you were looking to get into, you would hear this and go, fucking hell, this is really good. Yeah. And they'd be your favorite one. A bit like if you, you know, if you were 14 and you bought Ascendancy. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no, no, I mean? no. Yeah. I thought, you know I, I mean? thought, I thought that might come up and that's a perfectly valid point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Annoying. But yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes, got him. Um, no, I haven't got him, but, but, but you're really. right. Yeah, I mean, no, not really, because, um, because th this is definitely... At least with the piano being a lead instrument, which I, I think it is, you know, Mogwai do not do that. No. Like it, to this, certainly not to this extent. I mean, yeah. I was listening to it and at points I was like, this could be Ludovico Einaldi, who's yes. the, the pianist who scored a bunch of, and, and that is not, you know, he is a sort of neoclassical, modern yeah. classical pianist. Um, or it could be a Clint Clint Mansell type yeah. thing, Max Richter. Would would never be considered post-rock. No, no, um, no. I think structurally, you know, the first song's nine minutes long and, you know, it kind of goes, it goes up and it goes down and it goes, it's a, there's a journey, there's a build and a drop and then a build again over nine minutes. Mm. And that's been done a whole bunch of times. Yeah, but, it has. But the, but the build is done via the keys. And I think that's, mm you know like you say that it's it's good it's good that it isn't if they were doing that on the guitar no matter how good it was i would probably have come in and gone oh, it's just another one of those bands isn't it it's just another yeah. one of those bands but but it actually i'll stop short of saying that they are completely unique but they're certainly they at least have a you know i, I don't think you could chuck the oh this is just another post rock band that are exactly the same as the kind of the johnny come lately's of what 2008 by kind of 2008 2009 i think people were getting really bored with ba yeah. bands with long albums doing kind of nine minute meandering crescendo yeah. core 
you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like this is. And I, I think the fact that they mix it up with, I mean, for a start, it's quite a brief record. Certainly yes. by post-rock standards. Despite you saying the first song's nine minutes or so, which it is, um, it's actually yeah. only 38 minutes, this album. Um, and it's, yeah. it's uh, timing-wise, it's brilliant, I think. Um, mm. It always ends and I feel like I want more. And yet at the same time, I feel sated. Does that make yeah. sense? I mean, so, yeah, yeah to, to put... Um, I mean, there's there's two songs that are under three minutes long in it. Mm. And they feel just as necessary to the flow yeah. to the flow of the record as anything else. Yeah. I think yeah. this is a really good record, actually. I really Excellent. like it. It's just, I'm, re- it's I'm just really sort of, happy. Yeah, I think it's really good. I like. I mean, I like it. I, again, I mean, you're right to say song in terms of the structure of the song, in terms of the tone, in terms of what they are doing with their band. They're not the most unique band around. But, I mean, who doesn't like, you know, elegant, soaring, really, you know, crystalline piano like it's just a it's a lovely sound it's a lovely yeah. sound yeah yeah you know? yeah and it's, it, i i agree completely i completely agree with you and i'm really glad you pointed out the piano actually because whilst i pointed it out you are absolutely right in that it often does feel like the lead instrument and i can think of lots of bandos that use a lot of piano but i can't think of many bands that feel like they use it as a lead um the very piano yeah. based post-rock bands, I'd say Explosions in the Sky, Maybe She Will, and uh, God is an Astronaut is one I didn't mention before, but they, they have a lot of piano in what they do mm. as well. Um, mm. But um, yeah, but this is just, I mean, I, I like this because I just thought it's done to a very high standard. I think the melodies are beautiful and the piano mm. stuff is absolutely wonderful, you know. And if you're doing something like this, I think it's crucial to not outstay your welcome. And you're yeah. quite right. You know, there there are songs. I mean, there's a song on it, which actually I think is a fucking brilliant song called Always Bereaved, which is nearly 10. It's just five seconds short of being 10 minutes long. And, you know, it's the longest song on the record. It's only six tracks on this record. Um, and even though it's the longest song, it still feels like they know when to to stop. Because I, I think some bands could have made that 18 minutes. Some bands mm-hmm. could have made that like, you know, a kind of 12, 15 minute long thing. And yep. and they don't. They build it, they drop it, they build it again, and they're out. And 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 it's, it's not formulaic, but there is obviously there's a formula, there's a tried and tested formula to that. Um, but I think it's the tones and the keys and the way that they use different instruments, which which kind of sets this record apart and means that i'm way more likely to come back to this record than i would be if it was guitar led yeah i think i mean i i think weird it's it's, it was a weird one this one because i i didn't have a clue how you would respond to it and a lot of stuff on paper with this album doesn't make it sound like a particularly exciting record um just because it isn't totally um brand new and original and stuff like that as i say it's just done to a really high standard and it's just very 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 good it's way better than i was expecting it to be um and i know a couple of people in the band and stuff like that um and i've heard bits and pieces i think i saw them once at art tangent although i was either just waking up or i was hideously drunk probably the former um but you know (laughs) (laughs) um but um admits it yeah yeah oh yeah in that case yeah definitely um (laughs) but uh yeah this is this is i I had i had reasonable expectations for this album and it definitely succeeded that Mm. um yeah i'm just really glad that you really like it as well it's a it's a a wicked record 
there's there's kind of three piles of these records that I've been making. There are those. Okay. Oh, no, there's four. There's there's no there's three because there's nothing I've heard where I've gone. This is an absolute bag of shite, and I hope it goes away. There's no nothing that I've felt that about. What I felt is there are some where I go. I mean, dude, you're just never gonna get me. Like, mm-hmm. you're just never going to get me to listen to you. There are some where I go, this is actually good and I've enjoyed listening to it, but I don't want to listen to it again. And there are some where I go, that was surprisingly good and I'm going to mark that for something that I'm going to go back to. And I think this is something that I will go back to because yeah. it feels like a really lovely, melodic slice of, you know, there's, there's a, there is a, there's actually quite it's quite a big list at this point of ones that i still you know listen to from tides of nebula we mentioned maserati to um you know uh teeth in the the sea there's yeah lost in the riots there's a there's a fair few of them at this point and i i I mean i I would stop short of saying this is the most interesting or the most unique or the most engaging um in terms of me going oh wow of all of them but certainly in terms of if i'm having my breakfast what do i want to listen to probably mm. this mm, yeah, you know? yeah 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 um, it's, it's and a, you can't it's, fu- yeah, sorry it's a, i was gonna it's say a, you, it's a curtain drawer of an album yeah that's what i was gonna say you, you can't fuck with piano that sounds this good no exactly, exactly. you can't fuck with like yeah. you know you can it's, say oh don't like this type of thing but you like the sound of the piano when it's played like this it's beautifully recorded yes, it's beautifully recorded yeah. my friend pete um from um alma recorded it and it just sounds fucking gorgeous this record gorgeous is the right word isn't it it just sounds gorgeous sumptuous and gorgeous you know mm. i think you know one of the things that some of these records sometimes suffer from for me a little bit is uh, when they don't go as heavy as i might want them to go like mm-hmm. when the heavy bits like with it without a singer sometimes the bits that, that when they try and be you know when the crescendo reaches its peak mm-hmm. i mean you know the reason mogwai are the most revered of these bands i think is because as you've pointed out quite rightly a bunch of times is the gap between um their loudest and their quietest is the biggest gap between everyone else so when they're quiet they're fucking so quiet but when they're loud they're like my head's going to explode loud and i think you can feel that on their recordings some of these bands they never hit the level of heaviness that i want but the good thing about an album like this is that it doesn't ever try and be heavy there's Mm. no attempt there's no attempt to be really loud there's an there's attempt to be kind of stirring and very emotional, but there's never an attempt to kind of be aggressive or heavy. And I think that's to its credit, actually. That actually makes the record work a lot better for me. Hmm. That's interesting you say that. I uh I certainly don't think it ever tries to be aggressive. Um heavy, I don't know. The certainly the dynamic space or the difference between this record at its quietest and this record at its loudest is very, very different from Mogwai. Like very, very, very different. It definitely feels sort of narrower. Um, but I do still think there are passages on this record, which are really, really quiet, which do make the loud bits sound louder, but maybe, yeah, maybe louder is better rather than heavier. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Maybe uh, you're right. It, well, yeah. But I mean, it, obviously it builds to a crescendo, but when mm. it reaches that crescendo, it almost feels elegant rather than you know i'm trying to think of a band someone like pelican who would try and be heavy it would be, yeah. it would be a build to be in something that would go gung gung and a big riffer come in they never try and riff it out it's always that i mean ludovico Einaldi has again has these soaring 
piano parts and it reaches a crescendo and it's it's moving i mean really really moving really really moving really stirring but it's not when i say heavy i'm using the traditional sort of idea of heaviness and and I, i think you know they don't really try and do that and i think that helps because i never have to go oh it'd be really good if you know, if those guitars really ripped into something super fucking heavy, but then, you yeah, know, I think I that like I, heavy things. I totally understand what you're saying. I think, I think that's a difference between post-rock and post-metal, what you're describing there. And Flies of Spies are very much a post-rock band, yeah. not a post-metal band. Mm. Um, whereas Pelican, I would describe as post-metal. Or yeah, Russian they're definitely post-metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bosk or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, good. Well, yeah, I quite like that. Pretty fucking Brilliant. good, that. Final Quiet by Flies of Spies from Hell. That is out right now. Our last record of the week uh, comes from Umbra Vitae, Shadow of Life. This is a debut record from the band Born of a Love of Heavy Music from the members of Wear Your Wounds. So when Wear Your Wounds were touring, they would often warm up by playing something heavy in their sound check. Um, the, the band that were Wear Your Wounds have since recruited a brand new rhythm section, uh, which means we have got ex-members and ex-members of the Red Chord, Twitching Tongues, ex-Hatebreed, ex-Job for a Cowboy, um, ex-Uncrust in the Be- Deadbeats, and of course, Converge frontman Jacob Bannon deciding to do a brand new heavy death metal band. Lovely stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what's this? This is Jake Bannon doing death metal, is it? Do I even need to listen to this to know that I like it, Renfrew? <laughs> well, this is a home run for you, isn't it? Um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a little bit tougher for me. I love a bit of Jacob Bannon, um, but death metal isn't my go-to, as we've discussed, I think, quite a bit uh, on this podcast. Uh, I recorded this. I've recorded this. I reviewed this for Metal Hammer magazine. Um, 8 out of 10. I- Seven. Right. I don't know if we should discuss the score because I have no idea if it's come out yet or not. Actually, it probably is out because it's... It's out, tom- it's out tomorrow as we record the new Metal Hammer. So yeah, you're fine. Oh, all right, fine. Um, and, you know, which, by the way, is a good score. Um, but yes, I think it, it isn't sort of a project which... I mean, Where Your Wounds is just an album that speaks to me. I mean, that's Jacob Bannon doing a post-rock band, isn't it, more or less? Yeah, yeah. But a really heavy post-rock band. Um, Converge, I just think, are one of the best bands to ever do it in any genre ever. Um, And this feels... Where Your Wounds feels like another one of Jacob Bannon's bands. This does have a bit more of a side project feel to it. Do you agree? Is that, am I just saying that because it's really slight, maybe? It's only no, no, 26 is, minutes. It is. It is only 26 minutes. I'm glad it's only 26 minutes. I don't yeah, think you need agreed. much more of it than that. This is agreed. death metal by the way of hardcore fans. And I think that's basically yeah. what that is. Now, um, I, on, ugh, maybe my expectations for this were more than they necessarily should have been, right? Because in my mind, Jacob Bannon doing a death metal band i thought oh my god that sounds fucking amazing 
absolutely mm. amazing. And I think it's great, right? There are moments like there's a song called Fear is a Fossil, which sounds like Morbid mm. Angel and Obituary yeah. at the same time. Lovely, lovely stuff. I think the guitar on this album is really good. Not even strictly yes. the riffs, but the sort of noises they make. There's that ooh-wee-wee-wee guitar part on um, Polluted Paradise, which is yes. 76 seconds long and is fucking awesome it's amazing i called i called um, the guitar squeals on that frenzied which i think is fair yeah yeah i love yeah. that song brilliant and i do think this is a very very good record but for the most part they can't really shake the hardcore from their sound yes it's a it's a bit like i mean that's all fine and dandy like it doesn't make it bad but i don't know I just, for me, the idea of Jacob Bannon doing death metal was a great idea. Jacob Bannon fronting a death metal band was a great idea. And he is doing death metal, but he's not really doing proper death metal, is he? I mean, yeah. like, I, I, I think I, you know, I love Venom Prison, for example. I think Venom Prison are a fucking excellent band. And I love the fact that they meld sort of brutal beat down hardcore deathcore deathcore the the idea of what deathcore is meant to be is sort of is death metal and hardcore and it's not processed death metal and fucking metalcore that's not what, it's, what i would like it to be i'd like it to be proper beat down nasty hardcore and entombedy sludgy death metal right mm. so cool so i'm not against that in any way at all but I would like to have heard a full-blown death metal project fronted by Jacob Bannon. Mm. I would have liked to have heard that. And that's not And what, I don't think what that's what is. we get. Mm. No. Mm. Yes, I do agree with you to, to to an extent, although I actually also kind of like the fact that this sounds like death metal played by hardcore uh, nerds, which, you know, it kind of is. I mean nerds in a nice way, because um, yeah. I'm a nerd. Um, legends. 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 Actually, legends, yeah, is a better word for it. Um, I think because what I like about this is it sounds like a death metal album. It sounds like what Slayer did with Rain and Blood. Um, it sounds like, I, I don't think this is the case at all, but it sounds like this album was written to be around 40 minutes long and they just kept speeding it up and speeding it up and speeding it up. And as a result, what we get is these songs which have five minutes worth of ideas done in two minutes and and they, they just sort of twist and turn and they're so schizophrenic. And so I never get bored. I mean, if, if you did get bored during a 26 minute record i think that would be a significant problem but there's no chance of me getting bored with this because it twists and turns so much and i really really do like that i think that's also we were talking a little bit about this with the azusa record which is another record we really really liked but we were talking i think it's a similar problem in the sense of if you want to have a hook to, for people to hang on to you can't be that schizophrenic but then having said that i think it's less of an issue with this record because Jacob Bannon, as amazing a frontman as he is, he isn't sort of the hook guy. Whereas with Azusa, it felt more of a shame because they have a front woman who you could feel you feel like could absolutely do those hooks. Do you know what I mean? So for this, yeah, I think it just for this, I just think it works really well as a cool um, death metal-y side project, but just played with the ferocity and aggression of hardcore. I guess. Yeah, I mean, listen, no beef at all on this band or what they've decided to do it's just an observation and it's just you know i think sometimes you get an idea in your head of what 
Jacob Bannon doing death metal was like. And, you know, this doesn't disappoint. It's just, I think you get bits and bobs now and again when you go, oh, that sounds like, mm-hmm. you know, dismember. Oh, that sounds like obituary or that bit. And, but like you say, they're so fast and they're gone that you go, yeah. oh, I yeah. just would like, I would have, I, you know, I would have honestly, and it's not often that I say this, I would have just liked a really meat and potatoes death metal record fronted mm. by Jake Bannon. I would have, oh, and, you know, they've obviously done something which is probably more creative than that. But that yeah. idea in my head of of like a Morbid Angel album fronted by Jake Bannon, like a, you know, or, or, a, or even a Cannibal Corpse album fronted by Jake Bannon. Um, I kind of, that's kind of what went, what my heart desired and I didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, sounds to me that we both feel the same about this record although for slightly different reasons in that we were both looking forward to it and we both like it but were ultimately somewhat disappointed with it would you say that's yeah i i feel like disappointment feels a little bit harsh because Mm. i shouldn't be disappointed that a band sound like what they sound like no no, but it's just the idea of it it sounds different in my head to the the description sounds different in my head to what it's actually ended up sounding like because let's be honest right there are bits in this we talk about you know oh there's bits of hardcore on it i mean jake bannon's in fucking converge yeah yeah like they can be as much hardcore as they as you want in it and you can have some great players but i don't need more i don't need jake bannon doing hardcore that's not converge yes i agree yes you know what i mean yes so give me a death metal record yeah I know what you mean. Although, having said that, we should probably point out that this is the fourth album to feature Jacob Bannon in three years. Um, we've got The Dusk in yeah. Us, both Where Your Wounds records, and this one now. Um, so he's been really busy, bearing he in mind... He have a very, very sore throat. <laughs> That's the sort of thing you tune in for. Um, uh <laughs> Just get your, your your nan would say that, wouldn't she? Just like yeah. channeling all of your nans. Yeah, brilliant. Channeling all of your nans. There's a interesting episode title. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh god, you made me forget what the fuck I was talking about. Um, yes, he's and, and for me, they've been three. They were definitely three for three. I mean, that last Converge record is one of the best records of their career. Oh, it's fucking great. Yeah, um, I adored the first Where Your Wounds album. I liked the second one very 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 much mm-hmm. um this yeah this is the first record out of those four that jacob bannon's released where i've been like it's pretty good <laughs> but i'm not i'm not jumping for joy about it but i still think it's good still really good yeah yeah, yeah. man it's good it is i mean you know <laughs> taken on it completely on its own at its own merit it's it's good right yeah. and i think it's you know it's i put it on i was like oh yeah, this is a bit of me mm. but you know uh you're in converge mate you can do that much better and other do something i don't know i i feel like i'm being very very um demanding of someone and i probably shouldn't because it's not my place to (laughs) i know it's not my place to demand what jake bannon does uh with his with his voice unless you kidnap him well even then that feels illegal it's very illegal and i'm not suggesting it i'm not suggesting he would do it anyway he's got far too much uh he's got far too much um what's it called uh he's not a sellout he wouldn't do it right okay do you know what i mean yeah 
Ah, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> anyway, um, Shadow of Life by Umbra Vitae is out right now. And it is really good. I mean, it's certainly far better than what we're about to end the show by talking about. We're going to end, as always, with Broken Records. This is the feature that we're in the show with where we try and find the worst album, the worst album ever made, ever. Currently, giving you a little rundown on what we have so far, um, from the from from the bottom or the top to the bottom bob dylan self-portrait lou reed's metal machine music the enemy streets in the sky dirty vegas is one viva brothers famous worth first words in second place eogan quigg's self-titled debut and only record and so far in our opinion the worst album ever made six feet unders graveyard classic volume two but to add to that list this week we have queen and paul rogers the cosmos rocks it is the um the one and only album by queen and paul rogers um unless you'd like to consider it the 16th album by queen how many queen fans do you think consider this the 16th album by queen? <laughs> not many and oh no. my god you should not want to do that uh no. released on the 15th of september 2008 this was the first set of new material from any of the queen members under that name since 1995's made in heaven the album that got cobbled together by a bunch of old shite that freddie mercury had left in a bin and turned into an album um and then for a decade no more queen other than that fucking banging version of we will rock you that they did with uh with future slam dunk headliners five uh of course <laughs> it's also probably worth mentioning that the utterly abysmal yet stupefyingly popular we will rock you musical was written by ben elton was hanging around and making the members of queen a lot of money from around may 2002 um have you seen we will rock you i have actually yes i left halfway through a friend of mine was in it and i he got me free tickets so i went down there with a mate and we watched the first half of it and i was i've never walked out of very really anything before mm. that is pretty much the only thing that i've walked out of I, I mean i really love queen but it was absolutely fucking awful but hey people love queen yeah it's fucking dreadful isn't it have you um, seen it yeah i saw it in um 2003 2004 uh i don't even particularly like queen <laughs> so uh so i struggled with it um oh it's awful it's such a disturbingly shit idea for a musical the it's the, the story rubbish. the story and the plot music's been banned like mu- yes, like mu- all music has no, no, been no. banned proper music are your boy bands and stuff there's loads of boy bands oh, that's but right, proper yeah. music has been banned and it's gone yeah. underground yeah so, queen is such an underground band yeah. don't they? <laughs> so these groups of people to get together in abandoned underground uh tube stations and play queen songs that's that's and then the government tried to overthrow them or something i mean that is the plot it's fucking stupid it's so it's, stupid. Not as stupid as, as this album, but it is stupid. Ooh, I don't know about that. I mean, fuck me. I don't even know how to quantify those two things together at no. the moment, but yeah. fuck me. Uh, Renfrey, you said you don't like Queen. Go on. Um, so, you know, Queen are obviously a phenomenal band. They're obviously one of a kind. Freddie Mercury is obviously one of the best frontmen in to ever do it. In fact, people will often say that he is, number one, the best. And I would never argue with that. If you've ever listened to 
the um, separated vocal takes of some of his songs, some of the Queen songs that are available on YouTube, where you just hear the vocal. It's astonishing. It is mind-blowing, astonishing. The power of the guy is unbelievable. Um, do you know what it mainly comes down? I really don't like uh, Brian May's guitar tone. <laughs> ew, ooh, ew. Is that in it? it yeah, there's, there's something sort of... Mincy. There's something rock about it. And I mean rock yeah. as in R-A-W-K. Um, there's something that is kind of like, oh, this is really overdriven and we're really going to turn, turn it up to 11 now, boys. Um, but really it's turned up to about three, uh, cause your grandma's sleeping upstairs. There's just, there's no, there's no danger in Queen whatsoever. Hmm. Well, for an alternative take on that, uh, which I'm going to give you now, um, Queen were probably the first sort of rock band that I really loved. My mum bought me a tape, I've said it a bunch of times, my mum bought me a tape of Queen Greatest Hits, which is fucking great. I mean, Queen Greatest Hits, man, mm. yeah, it's amazing. Like the hits that those those guys have, the, the, you know, the breadth of their singles is brilliant. Um, some of it's really silly, stuff like Fat Bottom Girls and, you know, I Want to Ride My Bicycle and Flash. Like, they're stupid, stupid bloody songs. But then you get Seven Seas of Rye or, you know, Don't Stop Me Now, which has been overplayed to death at this point. But back in the 90s, I don't really think it was getting played as much. It didn't feel like it was such a big song. I like think the now, resurgence but... happened because of Shaun of the Dead. I yeah, think that was the point. It was. Yeah, mm. I think that was the I tell point. you what's funny. My, my mate, um, Martin Ack, uh, he... We, we used to listen to Queen and I remember I love people getting song titles wrong. It's really funny sometimes. And he was like, oh man, yeah, I love Queen. And we were like, what's your favourite song, Martin? And he's like, oh, I love um, rocking on a rocket ship all the way to Mars. And we were like, what? <laughs> and he was like, you know, old, you know, don't stop me. I'm rocking like a rocket ship. on." And I was like, you mean don't stop me now? And he's like, no, 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 no. Rocking like, it's like, I'm rocking like a good time rock. I think it's called rocking on a rocket ship all the way to Mars. I was like, it's not, it's called don't stop me now. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like would not believe that don't stop me now. I mean, Queen are ridiculous, but even they are not as ridiculous to call a song rocking on a rocket ship all the way to, <laughs> to Mars, which they don't even say in the fucking song. Anyway. Queen are great. They, they um, might have called a song that on this album. Yeah, they might have done on it. That's, they probably went, that's too sensible a song title. <laughs> we're not going to use that. Um, anyway, um, so I really do like Queen. I, li I like them a lot. I have a lot of love for them. Um, in 2004, Brian May joined Paul Rogers on stage at the Strat Pack concert at Wembley Arena, which is to commemorate, I believe, 50 years of... Um, the Fender Stratocaster, mm -hmm. uh, and played a version of Freeze All Right Now, you know, the one off the Wrigley's gum advert. Uh, <laughs> May was so impressed with the chemistry of the two of them had together, he invited Rogers to come and sing on, Queen, on three Queen songs during Queen's induction to the UK Music Hall of Fame. Did you know that there was such a thing as the UK Music Hall of Fame, Rimfrey? No. Mm, me neither. Um, they got all excited and uh, May and Roger Taylor announced that they would be touring with Paul Rogers, fronting Queen, for a tour named Return of the Champions. Uh, that tour was massive. They sold loads of tickets. But really, was it any good? I mean, they 
they did do some they did do some good things uh i mean they played hyde park in london on the 15th of june uh, 15th of july sorry 2005 a week after the 7-7 terror track terror attacks in london gave away a bunch of free tickets to emergency service staff which i think is a lovely thing to do yes um yes. but but actually cause even more post-traumatic stress disorder to those people by inflicting razor light and peter fucking k on them as their supports <laughs> Which I'd rather be blown up, thanks. Um, and, uh, wow. Uh, obviously, they focus mainly on Queen songs, did a handful of free and bad company staples, such as Feel Like Making Love, Wishing Well, Bad Company, and All Right Now. And on the 15th of August of that year, Queen confirmed through their fan club that they would be entering the studio with Paul Rogers to write and record a new album. They actually debuted a new song, um, take love on that tour and when rogers went off on his own solo tour a year later he played the songs war boys and voodoo during that tour um so then we get to the release of the record uh it performed fairly well in some areas got to number five in the uk number four in the czech republic number four in germany number five in switzerland number six in italy in the united states number 47 which mm. is not so good um it's also, I have to say, a fairly mixed bag when it comes to the reviews. I mean, the BBC were kind of fairly scathing in some instances, but not in others. They said uh, in their review, there are a couple of real clunkers here. Call me if you need my love is essentially can't get enough of your crazy little thing called love. And we believe is the kind of light waving platitude filled nonsense that will never, ever replace classics like We Are The Champions. But all in all, the Cosmos Rocks displays a band that seemed to be still in love with rock. Why else would they be doing it? Surely not for the money. May's guitar tone is in five, fine fettle throughout and it's hard to begrudge such stalwarts and noisy fun um it's not uh rolling stone gave it two out of five it says queen 2.0 are competent enough to rock arenas but don't expect the glory days um the observer uh, gave it one out of five it said imagine brian got his astrophysicist physicist phd in 1972 and took that career path instead and then only formed his band now age 61 the <laughs> result might be pub rock tosh with stadium reverb mud stroke status quo boogie anthemic mush and lyrics like i've got a pain in my memory what an astronomically bad parallel universe queen star is dead um the guardian that's gave the, it an even that's the more most, that's the most accurate so far <laughs> yeah uh the guardian gave it a, a, a one star more but an even more scathing review right. um there is tripe that a 59 year old man should have thought more carefully about in lyrics like school's out and i've got a criminal urge to twist and shout mm. we'll get to the lyrics later <laughs> as with a lot of the cosmos rocks you listen to war boys boggling that qu um, you listen to war boys boggling that queen famously intelligent men didn't at any point notice that the lyrics were stupid trite a bit offensive and bound to have an undermining effect on whatever musical efforts they put behind it maybe they're given to underestimating their audience as indeed you might be if you'd watch five million people worldwide flock to something as patently shoddy as we will rock you or maybe we will rock you success has set new grace saving standards after all however bad the cosmos rocks gets it will never be as bad as that um uncut gave it one out of five it said all 14 tracks here all co-written by rogers um rogers brian may and roger taylor are either workmanlike pub rock exercises largely turgid ballads or humorless led zeppelin ish eth ethno rock stompers um hot press said it was 
Um, embarrassingly awful dad rock. Freddie must be turning in his grave. But it wasn't actually all bad. Um, Pop Matters gave it 7 out of 10. Um, although I did say one thing I do agree with, there won't ever be another Freddie Mercury, so why bother to replace him? Although his ghost pleasantly haunts the albums in some ways, the album is dedicated to him. Paul Rogers breathes new life into Queen while still keeping the band's tremendous legacy intact as a soldier forth into material with a twenty into, with new material into the twenty first century. And classic rock gave it eight out of ten because, of course, they fucking did. Um, <laughs> so weirdly, considering this album. I think now I've gone and looked at some reviews and some of the user reviews are fairly positive towards it. But overall, this is considered a bit of a joke, um, especially with where Queen are now. with kind of Adam Lambert and stuff. Renfrey, mm. you've been sitting there very patiently as I build up to, you know, all of the context around this record. Yeah. Off you go. Well, imagine being a Queen fan and waiting 13 years to hear anything new from Messrs. Taylor and May and getting this. I mean, it puts Chinese democracy into perspective. Chinese democracy oh God, yeah. Chinese democracy feels like a fucking masterpiece, like master of puppets compared to this. Yeah. <laughs> like it really does. Um it's, I mean, the first song on this album is called Cosmos Rockin'. It comes My in God. comes in sounding like the Jimi Hendrix experiences. Um, the first song, is it EXP on Axis Boulder's Love? Yeah. Right. Which is basically like a mecha- mechanicalized voice saying that they're an alien and they're about to implant music into your mind or something like that. Which in 1968... Axis Boulder's Love, you know, sounded... 67, yeah, 68. 67, 68. Sounded mind-boggling and like like nothing you'd ever heard before. And, um, you know, you listen to it now and it's like, oh, that's shonky and dated. But, you know, at the time, I'm sure it sounded amazing. So there's an excuse for it. There's no excuse for the absolute travesty that opens this album <laughs> in, a, the sim- in a similar manner in 2008. Uh, and then the song itself is a pretty risible rock and roll number about how Queen have got the whole cosmos rocking to the mighty power of rock and roll. Um, Mate, I mean, oh, cosmos rocking with no G on the end of rocking, by no. the way, cosmos rocking, rocking. It is as bad as that title would suggest, isn't it? I mean, I think that's <laughs> how we sum it up. I mean, yeah. this is like the song they'd play on the opening credits to Police Academy 9 Mars <laughs> Cadets. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Some bullshit frat boys, 80s gross out comedy movie. It's about rocking out in space. There's a line in it that goes, the policeman said, stop this noise. The beat takes over. Now he's one of the boys. Yeah. I mean, that if you're, that is the sort of thing that your dad would say to deliberately embarrass you. Yes. And you would yes. just curl up into a ball. I yeah. mean, that still, as the song itself says, they've got the whole town rocking. Fuck sake. Yeah, what true. a rubbish. <laughs> it's Fuck awful. sake. It's awful. I think this song would be seen as just about acceptable if it was played by your local pub rock band and if you were many pints in. Like you'd had you have to be you'd have to be quite lathered up to feel this is acceptable but 
coming from two members of Queen. It's just embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. It's so bad. And Paul Rogers as well. And Paul Rogers, yeah. yeah Paul, Rogers Paul Rogers is in free and bad company, like a great rock vocalist. I yeah. mean, I'm not sure how we where we go exactly with this record. Um, this album is essentially about one of three things all the way through. So there's there are three types of song on this record. There's the kind of jaunty, cheesy rocker talking about how they're rocking out and how rock is great and how we all love rocking the rock. Status right? quo yep yeah i mean the opening song's bad enough but surfs up schools out Ooh. which even has its own kind of tom from slayer angel of death roar at the start yeah. is that it just sounds like paul rogers is just happy that he's passed a stool after sitting <laughs> constipated on the toilet for about three hours i mean that is that is the worst i've got a criminal urge to twist and shout <laughs> fuck me i've got a criminal urge to twist and shout what are you on about <laughs> what are you on about why are you doing this to yourself? you're 59 years old i mean there's those then there's the Led Zeppelin like kind of blues numbers where Paul Rogers, a 59 year old man, rubs his legs like Vic Reeves in a nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink way about his own horniness. Voodoo, still burning, his love is still burning, fetch the fucking fire extinguisher through the night. But the worst of those is Call Me, which sounds like raindrops keep falling on my head musically. But it's just him going, call me if you need my love. I'm going to burn my SIM card after that and <laughs> smash up my phone. No, thank you. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Call me as some god awful country and Western gospel mashup. Um, and I'm all for experimentation, but this is fucking rubbish. It's fucking terrible. Uh, it's so bad. Um, one of the types of songs oh you did kind of mention it but uh, small is the sort of syrupy yeah. shitty ballad yeah oh, it's an awful song well that that's that's the other one isn't it it's the kind of usually acoustic numbers with a serious yeah. tone about some sort of issue presented in a painfully po-faced and really unironic way it's basically african child isn't it yes. over and over again from getting to the greek there's well, some things that glitter small is a song about staring out into the cosmos and that making you feel really small and insignificant you know yeah uh jamie yeah. lemon covered this territory on his on the on devolver uh in a brilliant mm. way uh this is fucking oh. rubbish we've we've had it this week with gold key yeah talking about kind of existentialism yeah. um I mean that's that that's bad, but we believe is the oh. worst of the bunch. Which oh, yeah. even Michael Jackson would fucking bin that off. Yes. I mean, that makes Earth Song sound like fucking filler by minor threat. It is just so, so, so syrupy. And then so that's the three types of songs. And then you still got Roger Taylor singing Say It's Not True, which amazingly around all of this absolute crap still manages to be the worst song on the record because <laughs> you've got some old cunt gargling over the Twin Peaks soundtrack <laughs> like, played badly. It's fucking rubbish. This album is 76 seconds shy of an hour and I genuinely can't remember a second of it that didn't make me cringe at some point. Yes, I agree. Um, they, they try to evoke 
evoke why did i do that northern they try to evoke old queen quite a lot on this album there's uh the stomp stomp clap that comes in during still burning which is not yeah. not inspired by we will rock you it it is ripped off i mean you know if any band can rip themselves off it's queen um but you know like it, it's just it sounds terrible um i think uh yeah going back to we believe really quick quickly i mean it's so po-faced it it's kind of it, it has a touch of springsteen to it except without any of the working class stoicism you know um it reminded me it gave me the same sick to my stomach feeling as when i saw that imagine cover cover that gal gadot and a bunch of her celebrity mates had done over twitter oh, just yeah. before this came. Oh. it was, it was oh, the same God. level of bile in my throat that just made me go you think you're so worthy. I hate it. There is a bit on We Believe where it feels like every, it feels like Brian, Roger, and Paul all say, We believe, we believe, we believe, we believe, we believe. It's <laughs> yeah. dreadful. It's shit. It's so bad. Yeah, it is shit. It's shit, shit old, shit old cunts. And the thing is, <laughs> <laughs> it's sure. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, it's not hard to know why this album is in here, but then when we put this list together, we didn't, I did not pick this record myself, right? To go, oh, I remember that. Let's put that in there, right? This was picked because it was badly reviewed in some cases, but then it's, you go on Metacritic and it's not, it's got, it's got, it's, it's, um, isn't it 42 out it's of 100? Got, yeah, which is pretty bad, but it's got a few, I mean, when you look at the audience, um, reaction yeah, is actually yeah. the audience reaction is pretty good yeah um but it's surely in here because you can't just lose freddie mercury and go ah that this will be fine we'll just get another guy doing the songs and it'll be the same it's like no mate mm. no you won't <laughs> yeah. yeah no you won't you can't you can't replace freddie mercury and it's i mean it's embarrassing to even think this is an attempt to replace freddie mercury and i don't really think it is but even in its own right it's just terrible um uh, and a, a little while after the album came out brian may told classic rock we spent a huge amount of time making an album with paul rogers going through quite a lot of pain and i don't think it made the slightest dent on the public consciousness so i would be caution i'd be cautious about recording uh, a group called queen without freddie it took him for this album to come out and people to go no for him to even realize that trying to record an album with no Freddie Mercury, no John Deacon either. Let's not, we'll talk about John Deacon in a little bit and how John Deacon should be, you know, <laughs> paraded around the streets like some kind of God for not getting involved in this, right? But it took this happening for Brian May to go, yeah, I probably shouldn't make any more Queen records. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we reviewed... Um... The Mind Boggles. We reviewed the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody film, didn't we, on this show? I just mm. remembered that with Matt Stott. Yeah. And, uh, Matt, and Matt quite liked it, but um, we fucking hated it. I mean, we didn't like it at all. I um, went to watch it again, and I think it's worse the second time around. I think it's <laughs> a dreadful, dreadful film. It's awful. It's really bad, and I don't like it at all. This is worse than the film, though, isn't it? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is, yeah. <laughs> it's really so, I mean, bad. when you look at the kind of aftermath of this, obviously, Rogers left the band and he said that it was kind of an arrangement a bit similar to the one he had with Jimmy Page, where it was never meant to last. And Adam Lambert entered stage left, which is quite ironic considering there's a song on here called Celebrity, which is about people loving being famous just for being famous. Um Got nothing to show. I want to be on your TV. Make me a celebrity, as the song goes. And it's quite ironic that they would then go and find a reality TV star to to front their band. And also quite ironic, considering Freddie Mercury was not exactly a shrinking violet and was not, you know, adverse to being, you know, to, to playing up to the paparazzi at all. So it feels, again, like quite a stupid song. But Queen and Adam Lambert have been pretty successful. And I can see that he is much more cut out to be part of this band than, you know, and he fits the mould of Freddie Mercury far better than Paul Rogers does, clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but that, this, the musical... The, the the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. I mean, why, Renfrey, explain to me, please, and if you know, why are those two gentlemen, who I have a lot of respect for the music that they've made, Brian May seems like a really, really nice guy. Roger Taylor always comes across all right as well. They are, you know, they're, they're great. They're, they're a great band. But, like, why the fuck... A queen so keen to destroy any goodwill that they have towards them. Why? Well, um, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't honestly for a millisecond think that that's what Brian May thinks he's doing, but he is in the eyes of some people. Um, I kind of, yeah. I sort of see Queen now the way that I see Monty Python as something that was excellent at its time but these days really should be left well alone like just leave hmm. it the fuck alone eric idol uh and it's always <laughs> it's always eric idol it's always it is eric <laughs> idol who's flogging that dead horse you know um and queen to me is just exactly the same thing it was a brilliant moment in time it wasn't even a moment it was a brilliant Oh, almost two decades, two decades for Queen, yep. you yep. know. Mm -hmm. um, and even as someone who isn't a fan of the band, fuck me, I'm glad they exist. I, I'm, I'm glad that they were a thing and I'm glad that they were as successful as they were. And they were so, you know, they're, they're <sighs> Queen are a band who I don't like, but I go, but they are a great band. You know, I mean, you know, hot take, but, but, you know, this is, that's coming from someone who... <laughs> doesn't particularly like their music but I, i'd say the same with pink floyd i don't really like their music but they're a great band like just mm. top tier it's obvious that they have their own thing going on um and, and queen have that in spades you know and, and and they they the flamboyance that they brought to the they brought flamboyance to it but with class as well it's like what hair metal was trying to do but it didn't have any of the class at all but then why what i mean the thing is you could go okay well i mean maybe they want to they want to carry on you know a lot of bands have replaced seemingly indispensable singers brian johnson did it in acdc william duval's done it in alice in chains right just to name a couple off the top of my head right it, it is kind of possible i mean it feels like it would always be impossible because as, as good as lane staley um and as good as bond scott were i mean freddie mercury is fucking there's got to be impossible to replace but even if you did think that 
John Deacon does not think that. Haven't they had conversations with John Deacon and <laughs> and thought, I wonder why John won't play bass for us? I wonder why that is. Oh, I'm sure. They and have. why? I'm sure. Well, I'm sure they have. But why the fuck? Like John Deacon has retired and he's gone off and he's never, ever, ever been seen again. He didn't play bass on this record. He's never got back on with them. He's never. He, the last time he was seen was at Freddie Mercury tribute concert in um, uh, at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, eighty-five. No, that would have. No, that was ninety. 90- oh, sorry. Yeah, 93. Yeah, ninety-two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and he's not been seen again. Now, <laughs> that like surely at some point. Those two guys have to go. Ah, we should maybe leave this. I mean, and I, I, I I've got nothing. Well, I've we, got nothing. Well, we live in a cap- th- we live in a capitalist world, don't we? I mean, I'm I'm sure. Um, I well, I know for a fact that Queen, the members of Queen, have made a shit ton of money off of the musical alone. Um, yeah, and that at least you could go. Well, they're you know, they're getting paid their rights for. We will rock you and it's it's shit but they're making a bit of money from it and musicals are shit and people like queen and people also like crap musicals so fine but the kind of the going out on tour the their fingerprints all over the, that awful movie their quality their level of quality control is i think is oh, it's staggering it's zero it's zero um and debatably has been zero since freddy pass pass Yep. I don't know if that's too harsh or not because I don't I've no, not listened not. to enough stuff since then. But um yeah, I mean it, it it's hardly a massive surprise. I mean to be fair, to be in in a in a I don't want to defend this record, but to be fair, Queen are not the only veteran hard rock act who've decided to come back later with only a couple of the members and try and make a record for the first time in in 15 odd years you know um and then made an utter embarrassment i mean aerosmith def leopard uh to think of i think i i I think they've done it i mean aerosmith at least they're still aerosmith when you when you see them yeah def leopard are mostly def leopard um and you still get what you expect when you're going to see def leopard i just this to me just feels like it's so bizarre it's so bizarre if I were a Queen but, fan, I would be insulted that it's called Queen. Even Queen hmm. with Paul Rogers, I would be insulted. But I, yeah. I'm, I'm not. But yeah, I can totally understand why it would be really irritating for Queen fans. Yeah, and Queen and Adam, Adam Lambert, like I can see, like why you'd want to go out, like you say, why you'd want to go out and see the the songs played live by someone who can do it in a way like like what Freddie could. Um, but it's just, I mean, they just continually are shitting on their legacy that's just what they're doing they're shitting on their legacy well, that's the um, name of the new album isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> queen greatest hits four shit just this and a load <laughs> and a load of fucking outtakes that they never released with Adam lambert um shitting on our legacy but anyway we have to rank it now renfrey in and amongst our list of bad records um i'm gonna immediately there are four that i think immediately you discount obviously bob dylan and lou reed it's so much worse than them i think the enemy and dirty vegas again are kind of they're they're pretty boring and crap but they're not even funny um they're just sort of 
they're kind of like this is pretty boring not offensively dreadful just pretty boring so not them which leaves <laughs> the holy trinity of six feet under eog and quig and viva brother um for me um famous first word putting it uh, famous first words by viva brother is a steaming pile of shite um and for me just by virtue of it not being as bad as that which seems mental i think maybe queen or any fourth um i was going to posit third because uh that viva brother record is dreadful but it is also about half the length of the cosmos rocks um oh, that's a very good point and the cosmos rocks is literally listening to it earlier today was one of the longest hours of my entire life it was really really <laughs> long <laughs> it's like that guy in interstellar waiting for matthew mcconaughey to come back with the ship isn't it <laughs> to give it a lovely well, space analogy I, I was if you've seen interstellar i was as emotional as mcconaughey is in that scene listening to this album it's um it didn't ever feel like it was going to end um, and it just went on and on and on. And I I thought it started pretty badly, but it did get worse as it went on. Particularly, I do think We Believe is the pinnacle of its shitness. Um, I mean, the songs we haven't even mentioned. I mean, you mentioned War Boys, but War Boys is like war pigs for toddlers, isn't it? You know, it's just yeah. fucking awful. Um, yeah, it's rubbish. I mean, I, I, I would be very, I'd be happy for it to get fourth place, but that's just what I'm going to throw in there. It feels like it probably deserves third. Mm. Um, but I, I think it has. It fourth. Well, it does more stuff than Viva Brother, and as bad as it is, I'm not sure lyrically. I mean, lyric. You're talking about two albums that lyrically are like you know there are newborn babies that could write better lyrics and both than the lyrics on these records you know what i mean just by putting a wrapping a pen sellotaping a pen to their neck right <laughs> and, and throwing it against a bit of paper you've come out with a better better lyrics than the shit you've heard on either of those records but wow but is any but is anything quite as bad as her birthday's in May. It is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, I couldn't, even when I was going the cosmos rocks and the, uh, you know, I'm not, I was still like, yeah, but that's not as bad as it is what it is. It is what it is. Like that's the, and that was, I think that was what tipped it over into fourth rather than third. But the fact that it's so long, it does. But do, I, don't forget. It also has the lyric. I've got a criminal urge to twist and shout on it. <laughs> yep third it is um that's me convinced <laughs> yeah yeah you're right oh god um so queen and paul rogers uh go into the rankings um and now i pick another record for next week i'm gonna dig i'm gonna dig deep and see what we get see if we get something good hopefully Fe we'll get something good fever brother will be distraught that they're not top three <laughs> they will uh we've got um louis the 14th slick dogs and ponies which i know nothing about nothing at all about yeah, that same. record okay um so that will be next week um along with new albums from mark lanagan and hayley williams mm. 
we'll be doing next week so yes there you go thank you very much for listening um go to musicism.net put riot in capitals into the checkout you get 25 percent off 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 uh, off all of their courses and um go over to patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast and sign up for our classic album series for five pound a month or whatever you can spare uh, and you'll get some rioters reviews as i said we've got london grammar coming up on that and we will also be doing um lamb of god later on in this week as well so they'll be going up real soon i believe sepultura as roots goes up on the patreon page on monday, monday. if you're listening to this it uh, the day it comes out so that should be cool um and we will see you next week for more rocking in the cosmos rocking like a rocking like a rocket ship on the way to mars let's fucking hope not <laughs>